be lights and there were ah oh, i love it awesome <laughs> is everybody okay everybody's quiet this morning hey it's so good to be here a couple things i want to share with you before we jump into the words go ahead and pull out your sermon notes get your bibles ready um, today is a very big day in Shelbyville, Indiana. Many of you know we have been helping a pastor get his church launched, and we were hoping to have a video today of him showing everything that they have done. We have yet to get that, but we're going to show it to you. But today, they launched their first service in Shelbyville, Indiana, the Ville Church. Many of you know Max Southern. He was here, and our church, on behalf of your giving and our missions, we gave them $10,000 to put into their church. And today is launch day, everybody. Isn't that great? They have worked so hard to get their church up and going. I'm excited to hear the stories today. And I sent him a little uh, text message saying, we're praying for you. And I'm looking forward to see what the Lord does in Shelbyville, Indiana. And I know because we have blessed Shelbyville, Indiana, guess what the Lord is going to do for Madison, Indiana? Amen. I believe the promises of God. Amen. The second thing I want to say before we jump into the word is many of you have been asking. Uh, we did a series over the summer on finances and we talked about uh, uh, learning how to make a legacy, uh, doing a will and setting up your funeral, all those kind of things, all those depressing things. Um, some of you have been asking, can we do that legacy portion where we learn how to do a will and those kind of things? Well, Ron Povillari is here, and he's going to do starting next Sunday at 9 a.m. We're going to meet in the Proving Ground. If you would like to be part of that segment of the class and get that information that many of you maybe have missed or maybe you're, you're asking for, we're going to do that next Sunday at 9 a.m. in the Proving Ground, and Ron's going to walk through those steps, okay? And so if you have any questions, Ron is sitting right here in the, one, two, the fourth row back, and he will talk to you and give you information, but we're going to launch that next Sunday, and you can have that time to answer those questions. Well, good morning, everyone. Everybody, I'm excited. My Tennessee volunteers are three and zero. Come on, somebody! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord, and I love what Cody said. I'm glad that we have a spiritual family that we can do life together. Amen. In our hardships, our spiritual families there. In our Mountaintops, our spiritual family's there, and I'm glad to have a family. Well, hey, we're going to jump back in where we're talking about spirituality. And you know, we have talked about several facets of what it means to follow Jesus. I'm not going to go through all those, but we've talked about relational spirituality. We're serving a relational God. We've talked about a paradigm spirituality in that we have to know how we think. We're living for the eternal or we're living for the temporal. We've talked about the discipline spirituality, having the word of God, prayer, making sure we're doing our part, why God does his part. And then last Sunday, we talked about the exchanged spirituality. How many's glad that God exchanged the old man for the new man? In other words, he gave us salvation and we're no longer walking in our flesh. We're walking in the spirit and the power of God. How many of you Christ followers are thankful for that? Amen. Well, today we're going to take the next step. And we're going to talk about motivated spirituality. Now, now, I want you to hear me out this morning. Because everyone in this room, those watching online, you are motivated by something. Something gets you out of the bed in the morning. Something gets you to church on Sunday mornings. Something motivates you to open the Word. Or something motivates you to not read the Word. We're all motivated by something. Now, I want to give you the definition of motivation because then you'll understand where we're going today. Motivation means this, according to our dictionary, it's a process. Everybody say a process. A process that initiates, initiates, guides, and maintains behaviors. 
So let me say that one more time. Motivation is a process that initiates, it guides, and maintains behaviors. How many of y'all know everyone is motivated by something? Amen? Every human being, according to um, um, sociologists, those that study people and humans, they have narrowed it down in their research that there are six uh, there are six behaviors or needs that every human being has. Now, it's kind of interesting because many of us will probably fall in one of these areas, or all of them. Number one, how many of y'all know that in human, being a human being, we all love certainty, right? That's why some of us will not jump out of airplanes. That's why some of us will not bungee jump. That's why some of us will not walk on ice. Come on, somebody. We need certainty, right, in our life. Now, the funny thing about certainty is, on, in this research, we go to the other side of that, not only do we need certainty, but we also need uncertainty. How many of y'all know life gets boring if you know every single thing that's going to happen in every single moment? Some of you are like, no, I don't want to live my life like that. I want to know what's going to happen. Come on, somebody, right? So we need certainty, but on the other side of the spectrum, we need uncertainty, which leads to variety, right? Husbands and wives in the room, y'all know I like to talk about marriage. And, you know, how many of y'all know we need variety and uncertainty sometimes where the husband comes home and says, I'm taking you on a date tonight and you don't know where we're going. Come on. How many ladies do be like, woo? Okay, maybe not. All right. <laughs> Number three, the third um, research idea was uh, we all need significance. Everyone in this room, we want to be significant, don't we? We want to matter. How many in this room, you want to matter on your job? You want to matter in your family? You want significance in what you do? Number four, the fourth uh, thing that come out of this research was love and connection. Who in this room loves to be loved by others? We love to be connected. We were not created to be isolated. We were not created to do life by ourselves. We need one another. Number five, according to the research, is growth. We all want to be growing every single day. And then number six, we all want to make contribution with our life. So all these sociologists come together and they brought these six needs for humanity. And how many of y'all know in this room, we all need all six of those things, don't we? You know, according to those who study human beings, these are the six. But I would dare to say, as a pastor and a follower of Jesus... I would say to you in this room, watching online, that Christ provides for all six of those things for us. He gives us certainty. He gives us uncertainty at times. Sometimes we don't know what we're going to go through, but God is always there. He gives us significance. He gives us love and connection. He helps us to grow every day. And through His uh, influence and through His power, He allows us to contribute in our communities and in our world. And I want you to know Christ gives all those. So if those six things motivate human beings and earthly things, how many of y'all know there are things that motivate us in the spiritual realm? This is our, our next facet we're going to talk about when it comes to the spiritual life. And I would like to provide this morning, I want to give you four of these things that I believe we can find in the Bible that should motivate us to be all we can for, for Jesus. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Lord, we welcome you into this room. I pray that you will take my words. I pray that you will speak through me. I pray, God, that you would encourage your body, your church today. I thank you for our salvation. Not anybody in this room. We don't deserve what you have done for us. 
We're all depraved, God. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And I thank you, God, that through your word, you made a way. And not only did you make a way on the cross and the resurrection, but you gave us your spirit that operates within us as we walk on this earth to become what you have called us to be, sons and daughters of you, Jesus. And God, during this time, this short stay that we all have on this earth, God, may we be about the Father's business, bringing the love of the kingdom of heaven to earth until you come back. Lord, bringing control to the chaos that we see every day. So Lord, bless your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so you can pull out your sermon notes. On your uh, sermon notes, you will see a link. If you want to go online on your phone and, and put in the, 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 the spaces there, you can do that. But here's what our scripture says this morning. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to do what? Now, the Apostle Paul is speaking again to the church, the Corinthian church. And as he speaks to the Corinthian church, he's speaking to us. And Paul is saying, whether we're with you or we're away, our aim should always be to what? To please him. Now, this morning, whether you're close to God or you're not, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley or, or whether wherever you're at, you might be here today and you just don't know where you're at, okay? You need to get help if that's you. But anyways, you may not know where you're at. I want you to know our aim in every aspect of life, in every situation, in every place we find ourselves, our aim should always be to do what, everybody? To please Him. A living, real, relational God. Then verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. And notice what he says here, whether good or evil. Verse 11 says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we, per we persuade others, but what we are known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Let me read that one more time. Therefore, knowing that the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are, what we are is known to God. What we are, how we live every day, what we think about, everything that we do, the Bible says it is known to God, and here's the hope, that it's also known to our conscience, so that we make sure we're in alignment with this relational God. Do you follow along with me? So let's jump into this today. I want to give you four motivations that we all should have in our spiritual life as we follow Jesus. The scripture gives us the first one here. Number one, everybody say this with me, the fear of the Lord. Paul, uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, here's what the Bible says. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast him to hell. Yes, I tell you what, fear him. This first one that I want to talk about is the fear of the Lord. And fear, for you that might be new to the faith or are new to following Jesus, or you that maybe have followed Jesus all your life, this word fear does not mean to be scared or afraid of God. A relational God that loves us so much wants us to be near to him. But here's what this word fear means. It means to have a sense of awe. It means to be in submission. It means to show honor to whom honor is due. An attitude as we, as we approach God that we see him differently than any other thing in our life. That it matters how we live. Are y'all with me? The writer says, hey, don't fear men who can kill you and that's all they can do. Fear God that who can kill you, but also in eternity can throw you into the lake of fire. Are y'all following me here? We serve a powerful God. 
We serve a God who is real, and he deserves our honor. As the church of Jesus Christ, our goal should be to bring honor to God in every area of our life. Now, I don't want to brush over this really quickly, because sometimes I think in this day and time, we forget what it means to fear the Lord. Sometimes we think that we can tell God what to do or or sometimes we think that we can address God in the wrong attitude, in the wrong mode or or we can come into the church with things that are going on inside of us and think God's going to answer our prayers. That's why when we talk about the exchanged life, that's why when we talk about this paradigm thinking or are we living for the temporal or the eternal and we can keep going through everything we have studied to this moment. But the question this morning, what motivates you? Are you motivated by the fear of God? Who has the power to do whatever needs to be done to correct us, to get us in a line to his will? Pastor, I I wasn't coming to hear a sermon like this. We got to talk about it, everybody. Because how we live matters. When it comes to following Jesus, the fear of the Lord means that I just don't live any way I want to live outside of the church building or even when I'm in the church building that I can just do whatever I want to do. It means that when I speak words out of my mouth, My motivation should be, with these words coming out, will it encourage someone and lift someone up? Or will this word break someone down? Because how many of y'all know it matters what comes out of our mouth? What I see with my eyes or what I do with my hands, it matters. And as we follow Jesus, the motivations of our life really began to be exposed because the Bible says you observe them by the fruit that they bear, right? We know them as the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I can give you all these things. The question is, is the fruits of the Spirit, are they activated out of your life? There's a real thing called holiness. Meaning that when I came to Christ and I received Him as my Savior, I want to do the things that pleases God and brings influence and, and, and lifts the name of Jesus up through how I live, holy living. Meaning this, that if I call myself a follower of Jesus, I'm being careful of the sins that Satan tries to throw at me. And meaning that I'm not living with somebody inappropriately. I'm not hiding behind everyone's back, looking at pornography and and doing the things that I want to do that pleases me. Why? Because it goes back to we serve a real relational God who is alive, working on our behalf. And every day, my spirituality needs to bring glory and honor to him because he sees everything that we do. We may hide it from our neighbors. We may hide it from our spouse. We may hide it from our children. We may hide it from other colleagues. We may hide it from other people. But how many of y'all know there is nothing hidden in the eyes of God? And so our motivation should be, Lord, I fear you, the Lord. The Bible says that the the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's not this fear and scared of of coming before God. It's this awe that I bring, this attitude that I bring before him, saying, Lord, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for how you changed my life and how I live my life matters. And my number one motivation needs to be the fear of the Lord. It means how I live in private. It matters. 
When no one else is watching, when no one else is looking, when no one else is around me, it matters how I live because, listen, it may be private to you, but there's a spiritual God who's alive, who's seeing with his eyes. It's quiet in here. Is everybody okay? Everybody, everybody take your hand and check your, your, are your hearts beating? Everybody okay? It matters how we live on our jobs. It matters the decisions that we make, how, how we talk to people. It matters that if you're working in, a, in, in an office environment and you go in and say, you know what, I need a few post-it notes for home. How many of y'all know that you got to be careful with that? Maybe your, employee was, your employer would say, yeah, you can use those. But how many of y'all know if you use things on your job that are not for the job, how many of y'all know that's stealing? Ooh. I'm feeling it this morning. You're all scaring me. I, I need a glass pulpit. It matters how we talk to our parents' kids. It matters how we talk to our spouses. It matters. Everything that we do matters. It matters how I operate on my job. Even it matters if you're a business owner. It matters how you ethically do your business. If you make a promise, you fulfill that promise. If it breaks, you fix it, right? That's what Christ calls us to do. We are change agents in the world. We have been called as the church to bring transformation to a broken world. We have been called to bring God's control and God's power to the chaos that we see around us. So it matters how we live in private. It matters how, what we do in our work. It matters even in our relationships how we treat one another. It matters in everything that we do. And our number one motivation should be what? To fear the Lord. Let me read it again. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I just don't want to move over this because it's important that we as the followers of Jesus get this. That we live differently, that we walk differently. Wherever we go, the Spirit of God radiates out of us. The holiness of God is within us. And when people observe our life, they don't see Jason Daly or they don't see you. They see Jesus operating within you. Amen, everybody. So it matters. All right, you guys ready to get off number one? Y'all, everybody okay? Our number one motivation should be to fear the Lord. Number two, it gets better. Our second motivation should be the love of God. How many of y'all know when we didn't deserve Christ's love, we read in scriptures that he died for us anyways. In this Western culture that we live in many times, and we have said this thousands of times here in this church, But for me to get love for someone else, you first got to do something for me, right? Not in Jesus' kingdom. When you didn't deserve it, Christ did it for you. He died for you. When you didn't have any hope, when you were, as the old uh, preacher used to preach, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, y'all know, um, he could have just snapped the cord and we could have fallen into the belly of hell, but not our God. Our God loved us so much that he was not willing that any should perish, but he sent his only son to come to this earth to give his life for you and me. The old hymn song says, the love of God is one of my favorite hymn songs. The love of God is so great that it would drain the oceans dry. That's how much he loves you. There's not enough ink 
to tell you how much your God loves you. In Galatians 2 verse 20, here's what Paul's saying. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, what? Who lives in me, this relational, all-powerful God who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So not only should our motivation be to fear the Lord in everything that we do, but as we operate and as we breathe and as we live, the love of God should just come upon us so strongly that we realize that this Heavenly Father, this God loves us so much that He will take care of us because He's Daddy, everybody. Everybody good? Are you operating in the love of God in your life? Are you operating with the fear of God? You know, it's funny going back to the fear of God. It's amazing how man does everything they can to try to look good for others. We overspend. And really, in this kind of mentality thought process, when it comes to trying to uh, be like the Joneses or trying to get significance and look good in other people's eyes, sometimes the after effect that is the debt that we live in every day. Right? You know how it is, guys. You walk out and go, hmm. How come his, green, his grass is greener than my grass? How come he don't have any moles in his yard, but I have all the moles in my yard? What's going on here? Um, how come, oh my goodness, how come that person lives in that really big, nice house? What are they doing? And we all know that social media and Facebook and Instagram, all these things are telling our kids that, oh, I want to be like this person, but we don't understand. You don't know what this person is going through just to have what they have. Their marriage can be in shambles. Everything can be just terrible. They're, they're panicking every day because they don't know how they're going to pay for it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so, so many people are living their life, their life to try to please all these things. And simply, God is saying, I love you. I will supply your need. I will take care of you. Just fear me and understand how much you're loved. Do y'all realize if you quit worrying about what everybody thinks of us and thinks of you, we'd have freedom in our life like never before? I don't know if it just comes about with age. I'm getting close to 50, everybody. I know, I know. I look like a little kid, I know. But I'm, I'm pushing 50. And the older that I get, the more I realize I don't need all this stuff. It's good to have it. It's not bad. I don't misunderstand. If you can afford it and you can get it, praise God, you're blessed, right? But the good thing is I don't have to spend my whole life trying to be something that I'm not. And there's the victory. There's the freedom. That's when we talked about in this relationship with God, also this relationship with ourselves, right? Do we love ourselves and who God's created us to be, right? So many of us don't like who we are, and so we try our best to become what other people want us to be. And all the kids in the room, if you're trying to be what social media wants you to be, you got to realize something. Those people don't even know you. They don't care about you. It's all about the numbers to them. So stop trying to please TikTokers and stop trying to please people that don't even know you. All of us in this room, we should be pleasing those that are in our life, of our influences that we can bless and help. Amen, somebody? I don't know. That, I, that wasn't supposed to be in my sermon today, but I, I don't know. I just went there. So the, the love of God should be our second motivation. Our number one motivation should be the fear of the Lord. Number two, it should be the love of God. Number three, we're getting ready to come into this season, but I call it the attitude of gratitude. How many is thankful for what you have? How many is thankful for how God has blessed you? We have a word for that called content. If we could ever get to this idea of contentment, we would understand that we are kings and queens. 
If you could understand that people across the nations of this world, they would do anything to have what you have. Well, pastor, the only thing I have is a mobile home. Hey, do you realize you're a millionaire considered to some people across the world? Are we content? Do we have this attitude of gratitude? Do I fear the Lord in all that I do? Did I understand how much I'm loved by God? And then do I have this attitude? Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have given me. Look what Philippians 4 says. The verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say what? Rejoice. Let your reasonableness, I love how the scripture says this here, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. What's your reason for joy? What's your reason that you don't have to be like someone else or or you have to please people that don't even know you? The reasonableness is this, that the Lord is at hand. I serve the Lord, the King of Kings, and so I rejoice. And I love what this says in verse six. Do not be anxious about some things. Uh, Do not be anxious about the little minute things. No, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Lord. You see, there's so many verses that we could go to in the Bible. The Bible tells us that the Lord knows what you have need of. If he consider the lilies of the field, consider, consider the birds that fall to their death. God knows about them. And the scripture says, how much more are you, his children, humanity? How much more does he know the things that you have need of? How much more does he desire to bless you and to pour his spirit in you and to provide for your needs, right? He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. uh Oh, we go back to that disciplined spirituality, right? Remember, we talked about that in this disciplined spirituality. There are the things that we got to trust God for, but also there are spiritual disciplines that we must follow, such as reading our Bible, worshiping, praying, seeking God, right? And we told you that there are two extremes in our world today. For those that just focus solely on God, all of a sudden we get lazy in our earthly walk with God and we think that, oh, well, God will take care of it when God is saying, no, I've given you hands and feet to do what I've called you to do. And then the other extreme where we focus so much on on the disciplines of uh, prayer, Bible study, going to church, all these things that we become so legalistic that all of a sudden we miss the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. What we need is both. We trust God, but also we follow what he has commanded us to do in his word. Amen, somebody? There's two parts to play. So let's go on here. He says, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And look what this says. And the peace of God, the word there is shalom. That means a a powerful peace that comes over you. You don't have to worry about it. The doctor says, "Uh uh-oh, we found a problem. I have shalom. Uh-oh, the, the boss comes in and says, hey, we're getting ready to make some changes in the, in the work, or the workplace, the business. Oh, the shalom of God. When I go through my struggles and my trials, the shalom of God is on me, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, what will it do? It will guard your hearts and your minds. Where? In Christ Jesus. Sometimes I think we read so fast over Scripture. That as sons and daughters of God, for you watching online, you in this room, we forget how great our Heavenly Father is. The love that we don't deserve, He has given it. 
And man is doing everything they can going back to those six things that every human being needs. We're doing everything we can to find certainty. We're doing everything we can to have variety. We're doing everything we can to have growth in our life and and to have contribution in everything that we do. And those things matter. But the most important thing is that we understand that there is new life in Jesus, the one that came to earth to die on the cross to save us from our sins. He gives us new life, a transformational life. Amen, somebody? So, real quick, let's go back to the beginning. The number one motivation that all of us should have is what? The fear of the Lord. This this all of who God is in every aspect of our life. Number two, the love of God that we all don't deserve. But yet in our depravity, God shows us how blessed we are and how loved we are by giving this love we don't deserve, this agape love, meaning that there, there's nothing we can do to ever repay God back. It means that this agape love is a complete love, meaning that no matter what you do, it's all on Him, and He loves you no matter where you're at in your life. Isn't that great, everybody? And then number three, are we operating with this motivation of gratitude and thanksgiving in our life and everything that we do? Because then that brings us to our last motivation today. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time, and we talked about this last year in our church. But number four, go ahead and put it up there. How many of y'all know that there are rewards from God? Do you realize that in your walk on this earthly sojourn, if you're faithful in all that you do, God is going to reward you for the life that you lived? In, Galat- in Colossians chapter 3, I want to look at verse, in two verses, 23 and 24. Look what the Bible says. Whatever you do, work heartily as for who? For the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your what? Your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Meaning this, our King and our Lord is going to reward you for the things that you have done in this earth. We talked about this last year. We told you that there are two judgments that people are going to face. Number one is the great white throne judgment. That's for unbelievers that when they die, they're going to stand before God. They're going to give an account of their life. And from this moment, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Do we all believe in hell anymore, everybody? Do we all believe that there's a real devil that's fighting against us? Do we all believe that? I believe that. We are in a real war. But every single person... No matter who you are, you will stand before this judge and you'll give an account for your life. In the great white throne judgment, people will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, for those of us who follow Christ, we will also be judged for how we live in this life. It's called the great, it's called the Bema Seat Judgment. Meaning this, that when we stand before God in the beam of seat judgment, we're not going to be cast into the lake of fire. What's going to happen is we're going to receive rewards from him and to see how our life mattered on this earth. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians 9, 4 through 27. You can also read it in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 2 Timothy 2, 5. You can read it there. We're not going to go into details about that. We talked about it last year. But when we stand before God at this great, at this beam of seat judgment, we're going to look at our lives. And the Bible says that we're going to be judged by the words that we have said, by the things that we have done. And if we have done these things in our own self, the Bible says it's going to be like hay and stubble. It's going to be burned up with fire. 
And what we thought was going to matter is not because we did it in our own power, but the things that we did for God, it will come out as pure gold. And those are the things that God will reward us for. The words that we say, the things that we do, how we live this life on earth, how we believed in what God has done for us. And not only that, there's going to be rewards given to you. And go ahead and put the next screen up there. We talked about these, these, these uh, five um, uh, heavenly crowns that God is going to be given out to those who have followed him. The first one is the crown of rejoicing. And you can see it here in 1 Thessalonians 2. For those who win others to Christ, this is called the soul winner's crown. Do you realize it's important when you share your faith with others that God sees it and he knows about it? Do you realize it's important to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? Not only is it good for us as a church to give money to missions, but every one of you in this room, you are missionaries on your job, in your schools, in your neighborhoods. God has called you to spread the gospel of what Jesus has done, not only in your life, but what, it, but what he has done in the world. How many of y'all know, as the church, we struggle with this one? Pastor, that's your job. Your job is to tell others about him. No, it's our, all of our jobs. You see, if we would get back to fearing the Lord and all that we do, how many of y'all know half the things that we do right now in our lives really don't matter, and it would refocus us back to what does matter? Go ahead and put my, the crowns back up there, please. Just hold it up there. The crown of rejoicing. The second one is the crown of righteousness. It's for those who look and love Christ's return. This crown of righteousness is the righteous living that you have portrayed. You're watching for his return. You're fearing the Lord. You know he's coming back. So you don't just live any way you want to live because the Bible says he's coming back and no man knows the hour. And so let me just tell everybody in this room, when people start publishing a date and a time that Jesus is coming back, I want you to know they're false prophets. Nobody knows. I remember back in the 80s, I remember back in the 80s growing up, and this book came out that says that Jesus was coming back. I believe it was in 85. I can't remember. I might be off on my But I remember how scared all of us were. Man, we were coming to the altar every single service. Lord, if you come back, i got to be ready. God, forgive me of my sins, right? Come on, somebody. Am I the only one? And how people, you know, I remember, uh, it was so funny. Uh, when, when, when some of these books were printed, some of, the, some of the ink smeared and some of it, it looked like drops of red blood. And all of a sudden, people across the world would say, oh, I got this book. It has to be right because Jesus' blood is appearing on this. We are so gullible. That's why we must know the word. And what does the word say? No man knows when Jesus is coming back. Only the Father knows. Even Jesus don't know. He will know when his Father says, son, go get my children. And that's why every day matters how we live, because Jesus is coming back. And if I can live in the fear of the Lord, if I can live in the love that God has for me, if I can live with an attitude of gratitude, understanding that the day is coming, I will stand before the Lord and give an account of my life. I want these crowns. How about you? I want to tell others about Jesus. I want to live a righteous life. How about number three, the crown of glory is for those who faithfully teach and preach God's word. That's just not for pastors. It's for all of us. As a matter of fact, I kind of fear this one. Now, I don't fear as uh, 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 being scared, but I do fear this because you know what the Bible says? That I'm going to give an account to greater lengths than you because the words that come out of my mouth, they have to be of God or I'm going to be judged by that as a pastor. I don't know about you all. That's the fear of God right there. And I think some pastors have forgotten. It's not about our thoughts, our theology. It's about him and his doctrine. Amen. 
But for every one of you, as you talk to your grandkids and as you talk to your sons and daughters, as you talk to your neighbors about Jesus and they begin to convert their life to him, who knows? The crown of glory right there will be there. How about number four, the incorruptible crown? It's for those who run a good race in the Christian life. Do you all realize we're all running a race? How many of y'all know we have our good days, we have our bad days? How many's ever had one of those days you're running and all of a sudden you were tripped up and you fell and you skinned your knees up? We all have our days. You know what the Bible says? If you fall down, get up. Y'all remember the scripture where he says, if you fall down these many times, get back up, right? We want to put numbers on things. We want to solidify things. No, here's the thing. Run your race. And the amazing thing is, we're not running against each other. We're running together. Because the Bible tells us that they without us will not be made perfect. Hebrews 11. We've talked about this here before. The relay race, right? The early church went. They're, they're, they passed the baton off to the next generation. Then this generation passed the baton off to the, this generation. And now this generation, us, we're carrying this last baton. We're, we're the final leg of the race because I believe Jesus is coming back. What do you all think? And they, without us, will not be made perfect. In other words, they're waiting on us to cross the finish line because that's when perfection happens. Amen, somebody? And then finally, the crown of life. I don't know if I want to talk about this one because I don't want to face this one. This is for those who suffer for the name of Christ. Especially those who lay down their lives for Him. We receive the crown of life by being faithful to the Lord Jesus. How many in this room want to be martyred for your faith? How many in this room want a gun put to your head and they say either deny God or die? What is the decision you're going to make? Do you realize this is happening across the world right now? Do you realize there is a persecuted church that's happening right now? I, I told you this before. I have a lot of missionary friends that are in that 1040 window where it's in that window where they can't d- tell people why they're there because if they find out they're there, they'll either be arrested or killed because they're preaching Jesus. There's some places in the world they don't allow the name of Jesus to be preached. And then we told you this. I think it was last year I heard this, that in the area of the Middle East, when a person comes to Jesus... And they become a follower of Christ. Their life expectancy is 24 days. 24 days. Meaning that if they get found out that they're following Jesus, their parents can either disown them, they will go to jail, or they will be killed for their faith. 24 days. How much we take for granted, everybody, in a free nation called America. And you know what? Here's something else I want to share with you. I'm not worried about what anybody thinks. I love my country. I'm glad I'm American. How about you? I think when it comes to the fear of the Lord, it should tell us how to vote. In other words, that how we vote, how we live, what we do, it all should be developed by this. I'm tired of living in a world where we think there's no gender anymore. Do you realize when we take gender out, that takes away the power of men and women and who we are together? Do you realize that God made them male and female? I'm tired of abortion where kids are being killed. I gave this this, this statement where it talks about in the world that we live in today, the new research is coming out, that we are not replenishing ourselves, meaning that we're not having enough kids to take over. Even in the Assemblies of God church, We don't have enough pastors that are coming in. There are no young pastors coming up right now. Even in in Indiana, we have 10 open churches, and they have no resumes. 
Now, there's a lot of things that are at play, but you know what? I believe the biggest thing is the death of our kids. And these are the things that the early church fought for. They died for to bring honor to women. Do y'all realize back in the old days for all the females in the room, do y'all realize you were considered property and Jesus came under the picture and changed all that? Do y'all realize that uh, Romans were killing their kids and all these things and the Apostle Paul and, and great men of faith and women of faith came in and died in a Colosseum arena in the jaws of a lion, as Pastor Cody said a few moments ago, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be established. And here's what I want to say. It's time for us to stop being afraid, to let our voices know. It's time to stand against the culture of this world, no matter what may happen. Why? Because there is a crown of life in store for those who give everything for them. And let me tell you, what, what are we going to face? Well, pastor, I'm not coming to your church anymore. Well, let me escort you to the door. No, listen, pastor, you don't understand. My family disowned me. Well, you have a spiritual family right here. We'll love you. What I'm trying to say is, yes, we go through things that hurt us, right? We go through things that break our hearts. But you got to understand, there are people who are dying, giving their life for what we have. And I'm sorry if you get ridiculed. I'm sorry if you get fired from your job. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to go into the job tomorrow, pick up the phone and say, attention, everybody, um, you need to get saved or you're dying and going to hell. I'm not telling you to do that. But what I am telling you is don't be ashamed of who you are in Christ. Don't be af afraid to stand up. I know we have lots of things, and I'm going to share some things here, but it's like this Black Lives Matter that's going on. Do you all realize it's, it's just continuing to discriminate and continuing to cause racial discrimination? These things that we're trying to do that we think. Listen, the only thing that changes the world is the people of God because we have the love of God, right? There's lots of things that we should be doing. If we could just learn to fear Him, we would treat people differently. When we read through the history of the church, when we look through the history of the church, of the world, anywhere missionaries went with the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything changed in that culture. But we're so busy trying to figure things out without God, and that's why we continue to get ourselves into messes. Because here's what I want you all to tell you. We're all one flesh. We all bleed red blood, and we're all brothers and sisters with one another. No matter where you come from, Africa, China, uh, North Korea, where, listen, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you cut our skin open, we all bleed the red color blood. The Bible tells us we are one family. We are one unity. And let me say one last thing. I'm already there, so let me just take it a little further. I believe that life is about our responsibility. It's not about someone else taking care of me. It's about me doing what God's called me to do. What God's called you to do. Meaning that every teenager in the room, you got to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Well, the government will take care of me. No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why we're in the mess that we're in. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, listen, I'm not here preaching a Republican message or a Democratic message. That's the problem with us. We have got to preach the kingdom message. Let, let me say this last thing. Oh, I think I might be in the flesh, and God forgive me if I am. You know, churches are, uh, we have this tax-exempt status. You know what a tax-exempt means? It simply means that the government at that time was looking at the church as being the ones to take care of the needs of the people. 
Because the government realized they can't do what the church can do. But what, what has happened, the church has become so inwardly focused, we can't even meet with other people and cross denominations because you believe this, I believe that, when really, when it comes down to, is Jesus and him crucified? Deacons, I'm so sorry. I hope I'm not getting myself in trouble here. But the question is, are we worth our tax-exempt status? Are we helping those that are in need? I just want to put a fire under our bones this morning because God is speaking to me. It's time. The church, people are looking for the answer. People are wanting to know what is right and what is wrong. And I will tell you, I stand firm in this, that Jesus and the word of God is the only thing that is right and wrong. Amen. And it tells us. So there's some crowns that God is going to give us. When we are following Jesus in all that we do, that's when this word called revival begins to happen. Because I see God as a real God. He's not dead. He's alive. And no longer am I thinking about today. I'm looking to a future, a place called heaven, where I'm going to spend eternity. Also, I realize that I'm living an exchanged life. Also, I realize that there's God's way and who's helping me and leading me. But also there's things he's called me to do while on this earth. And now today, what motivates you? What are you motivated by? Are you motivated by making more money? Are you motivated by having more likes on social media? Are you motivated by the pats on the back or the name, your name being echoed through the ages? We all want those things. My motivation is in Christ this morning. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite you all to stand to your feet. I truly believe that God is calling us in this time, in this hour, that we will take a stand. And once again, I'm going to invite all those who will just to come forward and find a place at this altar. And I want you to pray to God and say, God, forgive me if I've allowed the wrong motivations to come into my heart. This is what I want to do. I don't know what else to say or do, but I'm going to invite you. As Moses drew the line, as Joshua drew the line, he said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. My question to you is, are you going to serve the Lord? Is your motivation the things of God? I'm going to invite you to come forward and just find a place. And as you kneel down and pray, maybe you haven't been walking in the fear of the Lord. Maybe you have taken that fear of the Lord for granted. I'm going to ask you to ask God to help you. Maybe you, you have not had an attitude of gratitude and you've been complaining and griping about everything. This is the time to come before the Lord and say, Lord, make me content in what you have done for me. Maybe you're here and you don't feel loved. You feel like you've been rejected. People have not seen you or maybe you've been overpassed on a job. Whatever. I want you to understand. I want you to come and refresh yourself in the love of God. Finally, I want you to come and say, Lord, I'm going to stand before you in the Bema Seat Judgment. I want my life to matter. These rewards, I'm going to ask you if you guys can put those crowns back up there. I'm going to ask you to come and find a place. Maybe you pick one of them crowns and say, Lord, let my, my goal for the next six weeks be that crown that I will that I will share my faith with others. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Come on, speak to the Lord. Ask the Lord to give revival into your heart. Come on, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Come and find a place.